With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Our trending story is brought to you by DirectBuyers.com. Direct Buyers, the hassle-free way to sell your home at a fair price in 10 days or fewer. DirectBuyers.com. I was going to see if we could uh, tap right into this real quick. Um, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is speaking right now. Let's see if I can get the right channel here. Um, He's speaking in Eagle Pass, Texas. Uh, about the deaths of the migrants that were found in the He's back of that to control Texas all trailer. the borderland that is owned or controlled by state or local governments. Let me make clear what I just said. <clears throat> the property along the border is owned or controlled typically by three different groups. There is some property that is owned or controlled by state or local governments. This property we're on right now is controlled by the local government. There is other property that's owned or controlled by the state. However, there is some property on the border that is owned or controlled by the federal government. If it's owned or controlled by the federal government, Texas does not have the authority or the capability to stop the illegal immigrants from going to that land. There's another area that that we are working on, and that is private property. There are people, whether it be in this community or people up and down the border, who own property on the border. We are getting authorization from as many of them as we can for the state of Texas to be able to put up barriers, whether it be concertina wire or fences or other types of barriers, so we can prevent people from entering the United States and the state of Texas through that private property. Texas Governor Greg Abbott then again, that's live down in Eagle Pass, Texas. He says that the White House has been doing nothing to stop the border crisis. Of course, this In the context of this tractor-trailer rig that was found abandoned, now two more people have died. So the death toll from that stifling trailer, 53. More than a dozen people had been taken to hospitals, including four kids, and three people have been arrested. Um, Governor Abbott has said that the White House is the absolute reason why this is happening. The White House has said it's because the border is closed that people are trying to smuggle themselves across. Found out the the new start date for the Kristen Smart murder trial up in Monterey County. Of course, this originated from San Luis Obispo County, where a Cal Poly freshman was killed, allegedly by a classmate, um, by a fellow student. And then that fellow student's father also helped hide the crime. Paul Flores is now 45 years old, accused of murdering Kristen Smart, after a party in May of 1996, his father, now 81-year-old Ruben Flores, accused of helping the freshman's body. They were arrested in April of last year. The trial was moved to Salinas in Monterey County after the San Luis Obispo County Superior Court said that they would likely not receive a fair trial because of the pretrial publicity. We now know that opening statements are scheduled for July 18th. That was rescheduled from what was supposed to start just next week. Travis Barker, or as Jacob knows him, Chloe Kardashian, no, 
Yeah, Chloe Kardashian. Am I right? Is that the right one? Chloe Kardashian's husband? Courtney Kardashian's husband. There's a lot of them. I don't know. Give me a break. Um, he was first rushed to the hospital in West Hills for some unknown health issue and tweeted something like, God, pray for me. And his daughter, I think she's a teenager now, 16, 17 years old, she said, basically, pray for my dad. TMZ is now reporting that he was hospitalized for pancreatitis. His pancreas became inflamed due to a recent colonoscopy procedure. Nausea, intense stomach pain, vomiting can happen from pancreatitis. Um, the problems that come with marrying into the Kardashian family have never been more acute and obvious than, I mean, they just got married a short time ago. Chadwick Boseman died without a will. And his wife and parents are now going to split his uh, $2.3 million fortune. According to a report that was published, um, his wife, uh, widow, I should say, Taylor Simone Ledward, is in charge of his estate and asked the court to distribute the funds equally between her and Chadwick's parents, Leroy and Carolyn. Um, they were dating uh, before he was diagnosed with colon cancer in 2016, and as we know, after he died in August of 2020, he really told just about no one that he was uh, in as much pain and was as sick as he eventually turned out to be. West Hollywood has voted to adopt a pilot program to push back closing time of the bars to 4 a.m. Would be carried out under legislation still pending in Sacramento to create a pilot program in seven cities. The Hollywood West Hollywood Council, I should say, voted three to two in favor of the program. Some residents begged people to oppose the plan. Critics are concerned, obviously, about the additional late-night noise and the chaos that would be created in the city and its neighborhoods if the bars were allowed to stay open until 4 a.m. And for those of you in the market for some new underpants, Balenciaga is out with a $225 pair of granny panty briefs. High-waisted, made-in-Italy Balenciaga underwear leave a lot to the imagination. They're dry clean only, by the way. Jacob buys underpants, 10-pack, 16 bucks, and he can wash them himself if he wants to. It's up to you. It's not my thing. I mean, it's not my business. It is my thing. I wash them. I wash mine. You wash yours if you want to. Um, you could get them in five different colors if you like, one for each work day. The label has several variations on granny panties uh, for other slightly more reasonable price points, like a low-waist version for Jacob at 150 bucks. But a lot of people are comparing them, apparently, to the Bridget Jones version of uh, granny panties. Hey, Gary and Shannon, what's going on? This is Gonzo. Good job today, Gary. I noticed that Shannon's not there today. Did she get that 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. window to get her refrigerator fixed today? <laughs> Hopefully it works out. <laughs> Take it easy. No, you take it easy. Probably every uh, hey, Gary and Shannon. I listen to you guys probably every day and probably from 9 to 2 every day. Since I work as a parts runner, so I'm always listening to you guys. You guys are hilarious. Also, I would say I'm the youngest person listening to you guys. I'm turning 21 in 10 days. Ooh, happy birthday in 10 days then. Big one, 21. Yesterday. Yesterday, L.A. County made it official. 
This beachfront resort that was seized from its owners almost 100 years ago has officially been returned to the Bruce family. Bruce's Beach, you remember, purchased back in 1912 to create a resort for black people at a time of unofficial but still very present racial segregation in Southern California. Um, It was located in Manhattan Beach. It lasted about 12 years before it was forcibly taken by the city council at the time. On Tuesday, that is yesterday, they made it official and returned the land to the family. Willa and Charles Bruce bought the two lots of land for about 1200 bucks back in 1912. $1,200. Bucks. It's worth approximately $20 million now. Willa told a reporter at the time, just again, turn of the 20th century, wherever we've tried to buy land for a beach resort, we've been refused, but I own this land and I am going to keep it. Well, unfortunately, that didn't happen, but uh, a wrong has been righted, apparently. Over the decade that it existed, Bruce's Beach became what they called uh, a citadel for African-Americans coming there for leisure from all over the rest of Southern California, according to one of the family spokespeople. But the police department at the time put up signs that limited parking to 10 minutes. Another local landowner put up no trespassing signs, which meant there was no way to get to where you were going without walking a half mile out of the way to reach the water. When people still showed up, despite the obvious and literal, in some cases, roadblocks that were put up, the the authorities in the area seized the land under eminent domain laws designed to let the government buy land that was needed for roads and for other public buildings. They said that they needed it because they were going to put a park there. And obviously that didn't happen until many decades later, and the area was just stagnant. It was just vacant in the interim. So yesterday, the motion to return to the land acknowledged, quote, it is well documented that this move was a racially motivated attempt to drive out the successful black business and its patrons, and the return is the result of what we've de- you know, documented many times here on our show uh, through the good work of Corbin Carson, our reporter, this campaign, and a very, very difficult process. The beach, for a long time, the beach has had a memorial plaque to Willa and Charles Bruce, and the state legislature actually had to pass a law that would allow the return of the property. It would allow the county to give it back. Now, the city will lease the land from the family for $413,000 a year. There is a clause that allows the future purchase of the land at cost, though. I mean, basically at $20 million, the the market value of what that land would be worth. Anthony Bruce is a great-great-grandson of the Bruce's that owned it. He said, this is a day we weren't sure would ever come and that it is uh, bittersweet. He said... It destroyed the family financially. It destroyed their chance at the American dream. I wish they could see what has happened today. And he said, we hope that this opens people's eyes to a part of American history that isn't talked about enough. And we think it's a step forward. Uh, We think it's a step toward trying to right the wrongs of the past. That I think is one of the, uh, that is an interesting issue to bring up because in growing up in California, The idea of segregation and slavery and racial uh, animosity 
was never th- something that was a taught in California or b necessarily even recognized. That was also was something that happened in other places. So when you talk about it happening in Southern California as absolutely anathema as it seems like it was that it would even be possible in a place like Southern California today, that was only 110 years ago that we're talking about here. He said the impact of the seizure is arguably still felt today. We're still just ousted from, we were just ousted from that community, said uh, said the family. There's only 1% representation of African Americans in Manhattan Beach today. And if you look at the census data that backs that up, but that's a, a, a sad look at exactly what it was that happened. Thankfully, like I said, it's been it's been fixed. Um, one of the stories that we're going to keep an eye on that uh, we talked with Steve Gregory about was this personal information of anybody in the state who has a concealed carry permit was released by the attorney general's office. The Department of Justice suffered this data breach, they said, while it was launching its 2022 firearms dashboard uh, portal. The Fresno County Sheriff's Office and other sheriff's departments around the state were informed by the California State Sheriff's Association. The Sheriff's Office in Fresno said this public site allows access to certain information, however. Personal information of concealed carry weapon permit holders is not supposed to be visible. That's one of the things that they tell you when you get it. Because one of the reasons, just imagine, and Steve brought this up. Just imagine if you were a domestic violence survivor and you wanted a concealed carry permit to protect you against your abuser. But the abuser didn't know where you lived. This data breach opens people up to potential danger, not to mention the fact that there are judges whose names and addresses are on this list. Reserve police officers who are on this list, uh, people who work in specific industries, security agents, for example, that might uh, have a reason to have a concealed carry permit. Even just uh, Joe Blow, who gets a concealed carry permit from their sheriff in whatever county they're in, their name, address, phone number, you're telling people this house has a gun in it, rob it. That's the concern. Rob Bonta, the attorney general, has got to figure out what happened. And if there is anything nefarious that happened there to do this, whoever the whoever did that, that's uh, severe jail time. And hopefully nobody gets hurt as a result of this information. 1230, we jump into the swamp. The swamp is horrible. So government doesn't work. Come on, man. We're going to make this like a, a reality TV show. Corn Pop was a bad dude. It's always a pleasure to be anywhere but Washington, D.C. Hey, Joe. Hey, Esther. <laughs> a town all too clearly built on a swamp, and in so many ways, still a swamp. That's a bunch of malarkey. Somebody said, drain the swamp. I said, oh, that's so hokey. Keep yapping, man. Swamp watch. You know the thing. Well, still feeling some of the fallout and reverberations from yesterday's surprise hearing for the January 6th committee. Um, their witness was Cassidy Hutchinson, a former top advisor to then-President Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows. She was in the room where some of this happened, and some is the key word. Joining us to talk more about some of this, some, the key word, Justin Finch, ABC News correspondent who's live in D.C. Uh, Justin, we saw all of the testimony yesterday. It was fascinating to see some of the immediate pushback, specifically surrounding the story 
that she said she'd been told by Tony, Tony Ornato about an incident within the presidential limousine. In that case, it was the SUV where he supposedly went to grab the wheel. He may have even assaulted a uh, Secret Service agent or tried to because they weren't going to take him to the Capitol. So what is the pushback and when are we going to see the details of this thing hammered out? Well, Barry, you, you mentioned uh, some being a key word here, and I think that is part of the, the complication, the soft spot that this story has kind of uh, opened up in her testimony. Uh, it was disclosed. It was a secondhand story, clearly, in her testimony. Uh, but some details of that account are what appear to be not only rubbing the former president the wrong way, but also the Secret Service as well. ABC News now hearing that the Secret Service uh, said they were prepared to give a sworn testimony in relation to those allegations. They do back up the story that agents in that vehicle, the beast, that SUV he was in that day, were not okay with the president going to the Capitol with those crowds. They said it would be uh, unwise or dangerous, the service says, their agent told the president, and that a source uh, close to the agency says the president was not happy with that. But they are willing now to push back any allegation that the president assaulted one of its agents. The um, the opening statements, or at least the one from Liz Cheney, suggested that whatever Cassidy Hutchinson was about to testify to would lead to other evidence that would be presented later in some of their hearings in July. So do, can we make an assumption that we are going to hear from guys like Tony Ornato or Bobby Engel, the, the lead Secret Service agent at the time, uh, later on in these hearings? You, you, you think about that sort of like top-end introduction from Liz Cheney and then the close as well, where she also talked about uh, allegations of witnesses for the committee being intimidated uh, by some Trump associates. So that kind of gives you an inkling that there are perhaps some other big testimonies uh, down the line. Mick Mulvaney responding to uh, Cassidy's testimony. He was a former chief of staff for President Trump, saying that he believes her and finds her testimony credible and also thinks it could lead to even more uh, big name witnesses to come in the very near future. Yeah. What do we know about uh, what that schedule is going to look like for July? I mean, yesterday's obviously was a surprise that they didn't announce until Monday afternoon. But um, what are we what are we looking for in the month of July? We were aware of those uh, two remaining hearings for June that were postponed. And now we have that one surprise hearing that came on Tuesday. Uh, potentially, there could be as many as two more on the schedule for perhaps mid-July, perhaps uh the 11th or 12th of July, that week after the 4th of July holiday. Uh, and even the chairman, Benny Thompson, did say going into this, they could even add even more dates after those two that were postponed. So we could see as many as two more or perhaps even more after that. All right. Justin Finch, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank you. You bet. Justin, they're live in Washington, D.C. for us and for uh, for ABC News. Uh, one of the issues, and I kind of went through this uh, in terms of figuring out w how to look at what we saw yesterday, uh, how to look at the testimony from Cassidy Hutchinson. And it's not it's not simple. It's not just as, as simple as saying, you know, we're going to take her at her word. Um, there's no reason to believe that she was lying. I, I couldn't think of anything that would point to her lying. The problem is, and Justin pointed this out, 
that her story was hearsay. The most uh, revealing sources, uh, sorry, the most revealing points of her testimony were hearsay. She was simply saying what she was told. So you can, in an instance when it comes to, say, the the argument within the, the limousine, the SUV, you could argue that both things can be true. Number one, she said she was told by Tony Ornato that that thing happened in the SUV, right? So she's testifying about what she was told. She may be telling the truth. Tony Ornato may have told her what happened. But at the same time, the event never actually happened, at least not the way Tony Ornato described. That can also be true at the same time, which means we, because this is not a criminal trial, because we don't have cross-examination, because we don't have a prosecution and a defense, you don't get the ability to figure out what the outlines of the truth actually are. Her truth, I hate that term, but her truth is that Tony Ornato told her that story. That's her truth. She could testify to that all she wants. But that is not evidence that it actually happened. That's why it's not even admissible in criminal trials. That's going to be one of the issues that they got to figure out. And how you get through that, I don't understand. I mentioned that, and so did uh, Justin there, that the Secret Service sources, close to the Secret Service at least, have said that Bobby Angle, the lead agent who was in the SUV at the time, and the driver of the SUV at the time, would both testify under oath that that thing never happened. Again, it doesn't necessarily discredit Cassidy Hutchinson. It just means that the story that was told to her by Tony Ornato may not have been true. That's why everybody, there was a, I saw on Twitter yesterday, again, don't go to Twitter. I'll do it for you so you don't have to. Uh, On Twitter yesterday, there was a guy who was breaking down uh, probably a series of eight or ten tweets, her body language while she was testifying, talking about how fearful she was, but how honest she was. And he could tell because of the way, whatever, she moved her hands, her brow was furrowed, whatever it was. And again, she probably... She could very easily be telling the truth about what happened to her, which was that she was told certain things. But that doesn't mean that they actually happened. Even the ketchup dish, the the story she told about going into the dining room off of the Oval Office because the valet had called her in and he was cleaning up a mess. She cleaned up the mess. That actually happened to her. Who caused the mess? would never be admissible in a court of law because she did not see it with her own eyes. I believe it's very likely that Donald Trump throws fits and throws ketchup against the wall. But she didn't see that. And there was no one there to cross-examine her about that. We are in the middle of Swamp Watch, talking about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Associate Justice Stephen Breyer is officially retiring from the Supreme Court tomorrow. The court will issue its final set of rulings for the term. He wrote a letter to President Biden and said the court has announced that tomorrow, beginning at 10 a.m., it will hand down all remaining options during uh, options ready during this term. Accordingly, my retirement from active service will be effective on Thursday, June 30th at noon. 
Uh, it was back in January, of course, that Breyer informed the president that he was going to be stepping down at the end of the term in summer if a replacement for him was nominated and confirmed by the Senate. And in fact, D.C. Circuit Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson was uh, nominated and was confirmed by the Senate. I've also had extraordinary mentors, like my high school debate coach, Fran Berger. May she rest in peace. She invested fully in me, including taking me to Harvard, the first I'd ever really thought of it, to enter a speech competition. Mrs. Berger believed in me, and in turn, I believed in myself. In the category of great mentors, it was also my great good fortune to have had the chance to clerk for three brilliant jurists, U.S. District Judge Patty Saris, U.S. Court of Appeals Judge Bruce Selya, and Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. These extraordinary people were exceptional role models. So Breyer will leave tomorrow officially. His retirement does not shift anything in the court. It does not change the balance. It's the 6-3 conservative majority today. It's going to be the same thing tomorrow at this time. But it does pave the way for the first black woman to serve as a Supreme Court justice. Uh, the, uh, the Associate Justice Breyer wrote, it has been my great honor to participate as a judge in the effort to maintain our Constitution and the rule of law. Just a quick side note, a lot of people were critical after Roe v. Wade's, uh, the Roe v. Wade decision, I should say, the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health that came out on Friday. They were critical that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not retire when she had an opportunity to do so under a Democratic president, even though she was getting up there in age and tried to hang on. And obviously she died while President Trump was in office and allowed him to nominate a couple Supreme Court, well, nominate another justice to take over for her. So Joe Biden took off from the first of his two summits in Europe this week. He committed with other top leaders uh, to back Ukraine and its war against Russia for as long as it takes. A side note, the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, has been asking the U.N. Security Council to kick uh, Russia out of the U.N. after their missile strike that killed at least 18 people in a mall in central Ukraine. But also... Um, there is this momentum that appears to be favoring Russia, and that's not good uh, for a lot of people who have been watching all of this. The assumption was that through attrition, Russia was just not going to be able to hold up against severe and unpredictable but strong Ukrainian defenses. Another shipment of arms is not likely to bring an end to the war, despite what Volodymyr Zelensky has been asking for. And if there's no clear path to victory... Everybody in the G7, everybody in the European Union, everybody in NATO are all trying to figure out how much longer this is going to last. One of the questions that's been asked is, is the West, specifically the United States, Great Britain, Germany, France, are they going to ask Zelensky to give up geography in order to stop the war? It's, it's possible. At this point... The G7 summit, the leaders basically rededicated themselves to stay united when it comes to the response of what we have seen with Russia invading Ukraine. But it is possible that that's one of those things that starts bubbling up in some of those back alley, back uh, back room, not back alley, sorry, Roe v. Wade on the mic. 
backroom discussions. Um, the other thing is that everybody else was so concerned about our Supreme Court, apparently. On his first day at the summit, he told reporters that the Supreme Court decision from uh, from Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health hadn't come up at the G7. But European Union Commission Chief Ursula van der Leyen said that many voices at the G7 summit were left very sad and very worried by the decision. Somebody said that this was a uh, a backward step. The president didn't like the decision. We all know that. And he said his aides have been have framed the ruling as a major step back for women's rights, gender equality, et cetera. But the problem that the reason it came up even was that gender equality was one of those major themes that they wanted to talk about when it came to the G7. So uh, outside of the goofy pictures that they took at the G7, there wasn't a whole lot to be said about it. Um, tomorrow, we're planning on talking with a reporter from Brussels about the latest of the president's European tour, what it is that he is expected to come home with in terms of any victories politically. When we come back, R. Kelly, sentenced to 30 years in jail, could spend basically the rest of his life in prison. Federal prosecutors said he deserves to be sentenced because of the severe nature of his offenses. We'll see who got the win on all of this. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.